Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones. And I'm Jason Wheeland. And this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God, but we sometimes call it the soul, the show that helps you grow your soul. Well said, I, friend. I uh, got a little ahead of myself there. Is that a symptom of sleep deprivation? It is right now. Sleep was just not good last night. Whatever it is, it just it just happens. But it's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. We get to. I actually get to look out and see the sun. Yeah, you're on this side of the table today. This is a rare ordeal, but uh, it, I do enjoy it. You definitely have the better seat. Yes, I do, and I took it intentionally. Yeah. All right, today, uh, friends, we've got uh, two special guests for you. We have Bill and Christy Galtier. You may remember Bill Galtier from uh, episodes 103 and 104 of Doable Discipleship. He came on and joined Ken Baugh for two of those uh, really great episodes. We talked about... Um, um, we talked about calming your anxious mind with them. It was a great episode. I know you loved it because it was a super, super well-received episode. Tons of views and downloads on those ones um, because, hey, let's face it, anxiety is a real thing. Today, we've got Bill and his wife, Christy, on. Uh, they are doctors of psychology and founders of Soul Shepherding, uh, which is an organization that uh, that offers resources and uh, just helps people thrive with Jesus in life and leadership. Bill and Christy have three adult kids, and they've got one beautiful little granddaughter that's a year and a half old. I follow them on Facebook, and I get to see all their little just super, super just excited grandparent posts, and it's fun to see. That's fun. Uh, They also enjoy having Soul Talks, like on their podcast, which is called Soul Talks. You can check that out. Uh, They've got a ton of episodes in there. Didn't you say there's like 191, I think, or something like that? Yeah, Yeah. so there's just a wealth of, uh, of good discipleship and soul care content there for you to go check out so go go check out soul talks give them a rating or a review and check them out uh they also like walking on the beach and uh hopefully i really wish that you had said it like and walking on the beach (laughs) yeah like love connection or something (laughs) uh and i hope they enjoy talking to us too maybe they'll add that to their to their bio and like the things that they really like that would be really special we like playing with our granddaughter walks on the beach Talking with Doug and Jason. See, now if they don't add that, I'll be disappointed. We're going to be really self conscious. <laughs> anyway, friends, uh, stick around for the theme song because Bill and Christy are joining us in just one second. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Love we're really excited Doug. to talk. Thanks. We love what you're doing on this podcast well, thanks thank well the you. feeling is mutual yeah yeah uh bill we had you on before it was great to have you it's great to have the more complete version of you yeah. now with christy here uh let's get a little bit of uh, biographical info right off the bat if you don't mind bill we've kind of met you before listeners who've listened to episodes 103 and 104 know you a little bit um but can you guys just share a little bit of your own just personal life and journey right now just to update listeners where you're at yeah well, we've been married 33 years and I'm so grateful for that wow Three. what an accomplishment that's really yeah, cool yeah it's been good we've grown a lot together grateful for Christy that. Christy was 12 when we got married. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Almost. I'm sure there's a story there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. I, I just turned 21, but yeah. Um, and we have three grown kids. Very cool. And the two of, our two oldest are married. And we have a grandchild 
who's 18 months. So I was asking Jason about Ben. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so close. That's awesome. Yeah. What's her name? Your grandpa? Her name is Juliet. She goes by Juliet? Jujube. Oh, we so spent fun. eight hours with her yesterday. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's, that yeah. sounds like a great day. Yeah. And a week ago, we had her uh, five days in a row. Five yeah. nights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so wow. we were really in your stage of we life. Were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fully. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how fun that's got to yeah. be! It, I just see it on Facebook. I follow you, uh, Bill, on Facebook, and and the the posts that you post just look so fun. It's like it, it epitomizes grandpa life uh, when I see you guys doing that. She stuff. calls me Papa. Yeah. Uh, Papa, yeah. that's a good one. Is that your is that your chosen name? Yeah, or is that just what she can enunciate right now? No, I chose it because yeah. I want it to be like Abba. You know, God yeah. is a Papa. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet cool. man, what an intentional way. <laughs> my nicknames for my kids and stuff—they just sort of happen spontaneously. I can't say they're that intentional. Guys, talk to us a little bit about soul shepherding. Uh, why just start it? Why is that an area of passion for you? Because uh, that's—I mean—what you guys do through soul shepherding is is a large part of what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, we help people to thrive with Jesus in life and leadership, and so we bring together Christ-centered psychology and spirituality to do that in resources and in our Soul Shepherding Institute, which is a training program in Christian soul care and spiritual direction. And so we train up uh, men and women who are serving the role, serving the Lord in diverse roles, and uh, we just love hanging with people in groups of about 20 to 25, and just go real real deep in scripture and in discipleship and in soul care through uh, learnings and community, and at times we call it TLC times for mm-hmm. To Love Christ, which is extended soul space, and we really help people that... They want to go deeper in their life with the Lord and be more fruitful in their ministry as a pastor, a leader, a small group leader, on missions, uh, in the marketplace, in the home, uh, wherever it is that we're serving the Lord, how to do that uh, in, in the overflow of God's grace to us. Mm. Yeah, I would also say that it's something that God really trained us for and birthed in us early on. We met in college, undergraduate, before mm-hmm. we went into graduate school, and we both were feeling called to ministry. and. Then both studied psychology, got our doctorates in psychology, but not just for the clinical office which in practice, which we've done for mm-hmm. over 30 years, but also mostly for, for Christ's sake and for mm-hmm. ministry to help people in the ministry really come to a place of, of deep growth, wholeness and holiness mm-hmm. and their, their yeah. life, their relationship with God, with others and themselves. So we have spent over 50,000 hours between the two of us in the pool of pain with people in the therapy wow. office. Uh-huh. And being able to integrate that, because there's so much that goes together with that, with our own formation in Christ. And you know, Jesus' ways are so smart and sound psychologically, mm. too. Mm. So integrating that has been really key for us and making that really practical to people. And the Bill's a writer. And God had told Bill early on, your pen will be your pulpit. So. Mm-hmm. He has stewarded that gift really well and has put over a thousand free resources on our website, soulshepherding.org, where mm-hmm. we have over a million page views a year, people around wow. the world just making use of us being able to give away the things God's taught us. Yeah. That's incredible. You guys, are, what a power couple. I mean, yeah. dueling doctors, <laughs> you're so well-trained, you're so wise. I'm so, and there's such a high density of wisdom and training and capability in your home. I'm so glad you guys are, are sharing that with the world and you're getting that out. And you're mm. doing a podcast and thanks for sharing all your learnings with the rest of us who need to glean from that stuff. <laughs> oh, it's a joy too. We're talking about some principles from from your book today, uh, and specifically, we're talking about the 
the easy way to do hard things that Jesus modeled. But before we do that, um, your book is entitled Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke. Can you talk just a little bit about that easy yoke idea? And, and just for those who maybe aren't, you know, maybe they're relatively new to God's Word, just help understand what that yoking idea is as we get started. Well, so if we go back to Matthew 11, uh, Jesus is with some people, and he's uh, just been pronouncing woes on cities that have rejected his gospel and rejected his ministry, and that is not a wise thing to do. And it seems that uh, in his attunement with the Father, the Father says, okay, let, let's, let's change focus now here. Jesus is in sort of a stressful moment, mm-hmm. you know, humanly speaking. And so abruptly, Jesus breaks into prayer. Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Yeah. You know, and then he's, he's refocusing and gathering with the people he's in, that he's in community with, all his, his followers, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And uh, the yoke uh, of a rabbi in that day was his teaching. And so he's saying to the people, Look, you've been under a hard teaching. You've been under legalism. You've been under hypocrisy from the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. Let me show you a different way of life. And so he's, he's using the analogy that was like everybody saw every day in that culture, we don't so often see, it, of a yoke. Mm-hmm. Two oxen yoked together to pull a plow across a field. And so what he's saying is, you know, get into that yoke with me. Get into this uh, uh being in sync together, and we'll do life together, we'll do work together. People are hungry, they need to eat, so I'm going to be with you now. We're going to pull the plow across the field to get the work done. And so what we like to say, uh, coming from our psychology background, is that this yoke of Jesus, it's a secure attachment relationship. Mm. It's, it's intimacy. It's, it's friendship. It's doing life together uh, talking and laughing and and being connected and understanding each other. It's a relationship of, of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so it's out of that closeness with Christ and, and, and Christ's friends, the body of Christ, it's out of that now that we do the work of loving people. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example from Juliet's life. Yeah, here. yeah. Here we're with her yesterday, and she's doing hard things like Climbing stairs, standing up, not crawling up them anymore. Yeah, but especially when they only have twelve inch legs. That's you know? right. That's <laughs> right. But she's doing it yoke to me because I'm right there next to her, mm. and she's attached to me, and she's putting her full confidence in my presence right there. And she'll kind of tune in a look and check, like you know, is this okay? And every once in a while, she'll grab onto my hand to help mm. her. So she's doing the hard thing of learning to climb the stairs, standing up instead of crawling, but she's doing it in an easy way. She's doing it with me. Or yeah. we're out at the shopping center, and she's pushing the stroller. She wants to push it, not ride it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And she's pushing it uphill. And it's kind of a hard thing. I mean, this thing is way bigger than her, but she's doing it in an easy way because she's so proud of herself. She's so happy. She's like beaming at me, showing, look, look, I could do this and I'm letting her do it, but I've kind of, I'm steering it a little bit. Yeah. And so it's that yoke, that attachment again, if she's doing a hard thing, but in an easy way. But then now let me nut it out in a day-to-day example. So yesterday morning I come downstairs and I, my kitchen is covered with ants. Mm. That's we like just had recently okay, as well. yeah. <laughs> the season for ants yes, in Southern California. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a hard thing getting rid of these ants. They're all over there. Miss, I think I've got them all. I find more here, there. I go, you know, get them all off the kitchen counter. Then they're on the floor. Get the sweep of the floor, clean the floor, get them. 
in the family room, everywhere I go, more ants and yeah. other invasion. <laughs> it's kind of a hard thing. And so I was thinking, I'd actually been praying about this podcast today and was thinking about it. And I was like, okay, I have a choice here. This is a hard thing. Do I want to do it in an easy way? Do I want to do it with Jesus? And mm. so as I was dealing with the ants, I started thanking God for my kitchen, for my house, for the food I had there, the water I had there that was attracting them. I started mm. to praise him and enjoy his presence and sing some praise songs as I was working. It made it an easier way to do the hard thing of dealing with the ants. Mm. I, I love what you said. You, I, I've never before connected the the picture of the yoke that Jesus taught with the sort of loving parental relationship, you know? Yeah. I always think of it like, yeah, we're kind of co-laboring and that kind of thing, I think is a more typical way to see it. But I just love that picture of it. It's, it's also like a hand-holding and being kind of kind of aided along with your Heavenly Father. And it seems like, too, I think a lot of people, when they hear that teaching about take my yoke upon you, they think of it usually as, hey, I'm going to, you know, I have my yoke, come and join me, mm. as opposed to what Jesus actually says is take my yoke upon you. Mm-hmm. And so that, there's often kind of the, the oh, I got Jesus on my side, instead of, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to join Jesus's side kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, That's so important because the yoke is something that you're using when you're plowing a field. Yeah. So it's actually, there's work to be done. Totally. And it's God's work. Mm -hmm. So we're in his yoke right now. We're plowing his field right now, but we get to do it with him. And it helps me to abandon it to him to remember, well, it's his work. It's not all up to me. Mm. I can trust him. I'm attached to him. I'm not alone in this. Yeah. I can, I can almost hear someone, and, and this is where my mind goes to, I think that we have like, the, there's like a tension that can come real early on when we think of this idea of, okay, Jesus and that easy yoke. But then I contrast that with what I feel like my felt, my, my lived experiences from my standpoint, which is, but isn't life just really hard? Mm-hmm. Like, doesn't life come with a lot of pressures? Doesn't life come with a lot of challenges? And, and, and in your book, I know you talk about this, but but can you talk us about Talk to us a little bit about how Jesus handled that kind of thing. How did Jesus handle pressure? Like, how do we model ourselves after his way of dealing with the hard bits of life? Yeah, you know, a great way into this topic, we've, we filled this Easy Oak book with Bible studies on Jesus as our model. And so here's some bullet points on Jesus being relaxed and fruitful. When it's time to launch his public ministry, Jesus is unhurried and goes to the desert to pray for 40 days. Or in Mark 3, when Jesus is teaching and his family comes and try to take control of him and take him out, Mm. he actually, in an easy way, just speaks the truth and love to him. But Mm. he doesn't let them manipulate him. Mm. Crowds interrupt his retreat, and patiently he feeds them in Mark 6. In Mark 4, he's in a storm and he's able to nap. He's able to be relaxed in a storm, (laughs) and he shows the disciples that, and they're like amazed. Like, that's the real miracle of the storm, right? That he was able to stay (laughs) relaxed. Yeah. Loan sharks and hucksters are turning his father's house into a marketplace, and uh, they're taking advantage of the poor, and Jesus takes time to weave a rope together before he drives the hucksters out. Or when the religious leaders in Mark 12 are really questioning him and plumbing him and trying to trap him, and he just sees their heart and speaks right to the the core of their motivation. Mm -hmm. Here's one we don't think about. 
in the frame of the easy oak. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's about to go to the cross, and he's sweating drops of blood. He finds comfort in God as Abba. Or in Luke 23, where Jesus is suffering on the cross, and yet he's able to do that in a way that he's able to pray that his Father would forgive those, mm-hmm. for they know not what they do. I mean, that's like that's like a really hard thing. Forgiveness is a hard thing. Mm-hmm. The other day, I was struggling with something that had been done to me that was hurting me, and I was feeling kind of that anger about it. And there again, I was I was praying to him, and I was really no. You know, the easier way is to forgive and to pray Jesus' prayer. Father, forgive this person. He didn't mm. know. He doesn't know what he's doing. Mm. And that's actually the easier way than just festering on the wound and festering in anger on what he did, mm. because it just it just it keeps me hurt in the hardness of it all, rather mm. than being able to let it go and, and pray good for him and, and loving prayers for him. I can only do that if I'm attached to Jesus, receiving his love and my security there. Yeah. yeah. And so what enables Jesus to forgive there? The prayer, uh, Luke records, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, comes from Psalm 31, 5. So Jesus has been praying this prayer in his, his suffering, in his trial. He's been yielding himself, submitting himself, drawing on the, the loving presence of his Abba, and that intimacy in attunement with the Father is what enables him to be forgiving, to be loving, and to be blessing to all those people around him, including those who are torturing him. Yeah. And not just and not just offer forgiveness as we we so often do down the road mm-hmm. after there's been a process of maybe healing and reflecting and maybe counseling. Jesus is forgiving in the middle while this is being perpetrated mm-hmm. against him, which is you know just about the hardest you know, moment of forgiveness that you can possibly picture. Mm-hmm. Well, those are really great pictures of of Jesus living these principles out. And it sounds like, I, I think what we want to be clear is that you may still have to do hard things, but there is a Jesus way to do mm-hmm. those things. That's right. Jesus still did things that were hard, but he did them in a way that uh, was uniquely uh, in tuned with his Father. Is that a good way of putting it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, life is stressful. We've got a sin nature. The people we're in interaction with have a sin nature. There's a, a devil and demons that are after us. There's there's many injustices and hardships in life, natural disasters. There's many things that are hard, and, and probably in one sense life is harder for the Christian yeah. because of spiritual warfare and so forth. But yeah. what we're saying is that there's a way of doing these hard, difficult, unfair things mm-hmm that's easier. The way of Jesus, the attitude, the demeanor, the approach, the, the relational style, the lifestyle is easier. And it's one of intimacy with God as Abba. Yeah. Well, it's really what Jesus said, right? In Matthew 11, here he's he's been uh, totally shunned by Tyre and Sidon, and so he's confronting them. And then it says Jesus abruptly breaks into prayer. This is the message. And he says, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for your hidden your way from sophisticates and know-it-all and revealed it to ordinary people, even little mm-hmm. children. And then he says, the Father has given me these things to say and to do. It's a father-son operation coming mm-hmm. out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. That's that attachment, right? He's mm-hmm. saying, I'm yoked to the Father. Yeah. And then he says, are you tired, worn out? burned out on religion, because we are. That's the hard thing of life, right? It, it tires us, the yeah, hard things. Sure. And it wears us out. And we get burned out, even on good things, yeah. religion. And he says, come to me, like I've come to the Father. 
Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. I'm doing it with my father. You get to do it with me. We'll pull the plow across the field together. Yeah. And then, so whatever we're doing, we're, we're with him together. We're not alone in it. Yeah. And remembering that is so important and relying upon his power, his knowledge, which is way bigger than ours. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what was cool too is, or what stood out to me also in those examples that you were just sharing was how you can see the fruit of the spirit in all of these is you can see how there's this outpouring of uh, this way of living, this character um, in each of these scenarios that you just mentioned, the patience, the gentleness in which he responded to things, you know, in choosing joy and love. And, and, and you can just see those being lived out. And so as you're thinking about examples from your own life, as you can see ways to respond to and how, and how a, a spirit filled or spirit driven life is, is it, it can be lived out in these scenarios too. Yeah, it's not. There's no. There's no pretending here. It's a. Yeah. It's not a. You know, the account of Jesus's life, just as the account of the. Well, really, you take the Bible as a whole. The Bible never denies the difficulty of life, mm-hmm. but it offers a better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think. It's it's grounded in reality. We don't deny that life is difficult, but we acknowledge that there's a way to do this in step with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, also in your book, you talk about kind of the ways that we tend to make life harder. <laughs> And more difficult. Could you share just a little bit I about? I never do that. About you I know, Doug, never I've, do I've that. seen you be just the picture of peace at all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. If only. I would say, you know, in our private practice, the people that have the hardest life are the people that are the most entangled in sin, mm-hmm. addiction. I mean, that's a hard life. They're yoked to their the substance that they're mm-hmm. addicted to, or mm-hmm. the the habits whether it, it be something like a sexual addiction. And it is the hardest life, mm. the life that they lead and that they watch. And they are totally not able to live this life that works. Mm. Ironically, painful. it starts out easier. And that's true with any compulsive behavior, not just addiction. But mm. we, we think it's easier to uh, uh, overeat, for instance, because that, that brings me comfort or it numbs out my pain or it gives me some, some energy or something. But if you keep overeating and you, you, you gain too much weight, that's going to cause you health problems. It's, you're going to have less and less energy mm-hmm. and it's going to actually make life more difficult for you. So sometimes the thing that feels easier in the moment actually in the long term is making your life a lot harder. Yeah. Mm. And that's, I think, an important point you made there, Christy, that, that sin is so often at the core of what's making life hardest for us. And that, that's kind of the biblical narrative, right? I mean, sin happened, everything got worse. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a very, a very <laughs> uh, like, a oversimplified version of the biblical story. But, you know, I, I know from my own personal story, too, just in, in peeling back the onion in that spiritual journey of growth with, growth with Christ— that um, even now, when I think of myself, yeah, it's really this—it's really the sin in me that makes life tough. Because maybe it's because I haven't mastered anger, that's making life harder. Because I haven't mastered pride, that's making life harder. I'm like, no, I got it. You know, I'm I'm insisting on carrying my own load and doing it my way and plotting my own journey. And yeah, I think, of course, early on in a spiritual journey, especially, we deal with those kind of those really obvious sins, which may be things like, um, like you said, a substance abuse or that sort of thing. But even even after we've been walking with Christ for a long time, 
we we realize there are many layers to this, and you deal with one, then you move on to the next, and so on. And um, so, yeah, I love that point that we have to we have to have a keen eye for what it is in our lives that's what it is in our heart as well that's making life more difficult. Um, so, what are some other ways that we just make life too hard? Well, another example, uh, particularly for uh, pastors or small group leaders, Bible teachers, speakers, teachers of any kind, is that we might over-prepare for what we're going to be talking on. Out of anxiety, nervousness, out of self-reliance, and put so much time into uh, worrying and obsessing and perfecting and redoing and everything, but we're we're not... praying. We're not uh, getting our relational centers on and, and being uh, in a position to be present to the people that we're going to be with, which is what's going to be most important is how, how we're going to yeah. relate to people and how God's going to use that. So uh, self-reliance, it, it's another thing that's like, well, uh, it seems like that's going to prepare more, it's going to go better, but there, there's a, a limit to that. Hmm. And we might miss the most important preparations of, of the heart and the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So working in the flesh rather than working in the spirit, right? That's yeah. Depending upon ourselves. Yeah. Right. And not thinking about that I'm I'm not alone in this. Hmm. God is already at work and I get to join him in it. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, can you talk a bit to uh, about the stress and anxiety factor that comes into play when we try to do things our own way? <laughs> Yeah, well, in all these examples, whether it's overeating or overpreparing for a message you're going to give, underneath that is some anxiety of some type. It might look like you're feeling inadequate, and so you're trying to prove yourself. Uh, There's like a low self-esteem there. It might be a fear of failure. But what's happening is we're we're not really paying attention to the emotion and, and, and feeling it and talking it through with somebody safe. We don't want to feel that way, uh, or we're trying to make the feeling go away through our performance or through our, our behavior. And w- whenever we push down truth, uh, experienced, lived truth, and we deny that, things are not going to go well for us. The truth yeah. is always our friend, and the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is, is to bring to the surface of consciousness things that are true about us, whether they're, they're sinful or broken or hurting or, or in need, to, to feel that and then bring it into our relationship with God and people is, is essential for a healthy, wholesome life and fruitful ministry. Hmm. I wonder, I wrote this down in, in my little note app. I, I'll just write random quotes and things that I hear. If I hear something that's like, whoa, that really inspired or was encouraging or, or really smart or helpful. Maybe it was you who said, but I, I just wrote this on my notes the other day that the truth has a way of, of rearing its head, you know, and, and I, so much of the time we're trying to suppress the truth so that we can like keep, keep some fiction uh, alive that we're trying to sort of propagate or trick ourselves with in life. But I love that picture of there's a, there's a truth that's wanting to break through. And sometimes we're by great effort trying to hold that back to preserve a comfortable uh, unreality that we create for ourselves. Um, you're speaking to me when you talk about over over preparation and all that stuff. That's totally how my anxiety comes out when I'm prepping. It's part and parcel with my life as a pastor. But I would also say, you know, those listening, like most of you listening, you're not pastors, you know, that kind of thing. But just what are the things that you do that, or, or the things that you've got to do that cause you stress and cause you anxiety? These are principles that can be applied to any area of life, even beyond just 
even just beyond day-to-day ministry life as well, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We all, we all deal with stress. Yeah, I yeah. think another big stressor that we do is, is pleasing people mm. and really trying to put that priority over to the point where we're really neglecting our own soul. Yeah. And we're, we're denying our own needs and trying mm. not to have any needs because we're putting so much priority on other people's needs and mm. trying to meet them mm. and please them. And we've got this all portioned out in our head to where we we have it justified that, well, we're loving our neighbor. Mm. And that's true. But Jesus says to love your neighbor as you love yourself, Yeah, not in the detriment and the stress and the denial of right. yourself and your own yeah. needs. And so we need to let ourselves be loved by Jesus first mm-hmm. and then let out of the overflow, our love for others come. And that's something that getting Jesus's vision of is really important because otherwise we can just run around crazy and stressed trying to, and it's a way of securing ourselves. These are all ways, our performance, if we're over-preparing for our ministry or our work or whatever we do, that's, you know, we're, we're over trying to secure ourselves by a good performance or trying to secure mm. ourselves by pleasing somebody or or by getting what we think we need by what we have. These are all anxieties mm. and stresses for us. And they're all things that where we'll tend to deny our own true needs for our soul that Christ really is offering us there. That, mm. That's yeah. so good. We have, a, we have a whole chapter on biblical self-esteem and another one on setting boundaries if you're a people pleaser. Mm. Because these are areas that just constantly over the years we have seen uh, Christians really struggle with. And one reason is because we have this uh, important teaching in the Bible about denying ourselves that Jesus himself uh, really emphasizes. And time and again, we hear people that just really uh, misinterpret that and misapply that and think that self-denial means like like self-negation or even self-hatred. Yeah. And so, you know, this whole issue, what does Jesus mean when he says, deny yourself? And so, just to get real simple and practical with it, you can't deny a self until you have a self. Mm. And in, in the psychological understanding of the person, self or, or identity is something that's developed. So, you know, Jason, you're, you're, you're a little guy at home. Our granddaughter, they don't have a self yet. At one and a half, yeah, that's yeah. still emerging. And it's a process, mm-hmm. basically about a three-year process before you begin to have the foundation of a self and an identity. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a position of selflessness, pleasing other people all the time, always trying to make other people happy, don't think anything of good of yourself, but... but, but idealizing other people, then you're, you're in a position where you, you really can't, in a, in a biblical or healthy way, deny yourself. You really yeah. need some reparative ministry there to uh, come to greater definition and understanding and sense of valuing and, and mm. dignity around your human self so that then now you can deny that in loving other people. Yeah. Mm. So we, we sometimes think that denying ourselves means basically dissolving into, I, I love, there was a picture, uh, actually a letter that Pastor Rick read. Uh, this has been a couple years ago. You'll probably remember this, Jason. Yeah. But I remember he gave a message on on people pleasing, and he read a letter from a from a member um, who was really struggling in this area. And, and she said something in the letter that just really struck me. She said, and it's exactly what you're describing. She said, I feel like I'm not even mm. me anymore. Mm. I feel like I'm just a collection of everybody else's mm. desires. Mm. And I, I've never heard that before, but I love the way you phrase that, that in order to deny yourself, you have to be yourself. That, And that's really in the fabric of creation. Like God made differentiated creatures yeah. so that you could be you and I could be me and Christy could be Christy and so on. 
Uh, wow, what a great, what a what a great teaching. Thanks, guys. Um, what about this um, trying versus training idea? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's like fundamental to our book, and it's really a lesson that we learned from Dallas Willard, who's been a mentor. Dallas and his wife Jane been a personal mentor to Christy and me, and so he brings out the teaching. You know, don't just try, train. Mm-hmm. And so that, that comes from 1 Timothy 4, 7, train yourself to be godly. And so that's a major theme in our book, Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke, is learning the different ways of training, which you're calling doable discipleship here mm-hmm. on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> and so the, the, it re- relates to uh, really everything we're talking about here. So the person that is struggling with overeating, one of the examples we've been working with, to uh, resolve that issue it's not going to be enough to just say, you know, I'm going to eat healthier. Uh, I'm going to eat less. I'm going to try harder. That, that's going to lead to intermittent success and failure or dieting, you know, back and forth, you know, gain weight, lose weight, you know, up and down, mm-hmm. which is not, not healthy. But if you do some training and you, you get a coach or you, you join Overeaters Anonymous or even you work with a, 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 a dieting program that's more of a whole life oriented program. You you learn about healthy eating. You learn about the emotional needs that are underneath your compulsive eating, and you learn about how to how to feel those things and bring them into relationship and prayer, like we're talking about. And so there's a whole series of of training regimens here, uh, exercises, disciplines, practices that you can do now to help you become a different kind of eater. A different kind of person on the inside, and that that's gonna that's gonna take some time. It's gonna be hard, but it's going to end up being easier. So we say Jesus' uh, yoke is easy, but getting into it is not easy. Mm-hmm. Getting into the yoke requires training. Mm-hmm. Training is not easy; it's hard. But if you have the vision. For the value of it, this could help me lose weight. That would give me more energy. That would help me have more confidence. Mm. I could live longer, enjoy my grandkids. This is a good thing. If you really get a great, compelling vision around that, you'll be motivated to implement some training regimens to to learn better how to do that. Let Mm. me give you an example of this. So when I was in college, the school that I went to had an aerobics program, and we had some requirements that we had to pass our aerobics test every year. Mm. And so one of those things was a run that we had to do, and you had to do it in a certain amount of time. I always hated that because I'm not a runner, and I'm not good at running. And running was painful for me. And so I never trained for those, and they were always so hard for me and just miserable for me, and I always mm. drained them, just dreaded them. Well, several years ago, so I'm married to Bill. He's a marathoner. He's run nine <laughs> marathons, and he would have run twice that many, except out of love for me, he does it because it takes so long <laughs> to train. But, oh, yeah. but he, he loves to run because he's trained at it. He's run his whole life. And so you watch him run, and he just looks like he's having the best time. He's smiling. He's energetic. He looks so full of life. He makes it look so easy, and I'm like, it's hard. Like, what, how did you love this so much? And, you know, he'll get back from a, a, you know, he's been gone for four hours running on a Saturday morning. I'm like, I don't get it. But I've, <laughs> I've caught this vision from him because I've watched him. See, I've gone to all these races and cheered him on and, and watched him. So our family w- was watching him too. And they're like, 
turkey trot. Let's for Thanksgiving Day, let's do a family 10K race. And I'm like, oh, getting up <sighs> at 5 a.m. to run 10 kilometers in the cold. That doesn't sound fun at all. But you know, I, I love my family. And <laughs> they even had their fiancés at the time, our, our two oldest, do it too. So it was going to be this really bonding thing. So I caught the vision because mm. it was a way to bond with my kids who are now were adults and their new fiancés, new members of our family. This is going to be the first time we're going to do something kind of really big as a whole new family. So, okay, I'll train for this race. Well, I'd never run more than three miles in my life. So 10K, it seemed like, you know, this is more the double what all yeah. I've ever done. So I was kind of intimidated. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And Bill's like, I'll give you a training schedule. Just do this training schedule. He gave me this training schedule, gave it to me on my phone, and I, I just did the training schedule. That's mm-hmm. all I did. I looked at it, and I was like, oh, it just starts with like running a half a mile. I can do that. I can run a half a mile. I can't run a 10K, but I can run a half mile. (laughs) So I had the vision. I had the desire, the intention. I want to do this. And so I went, ran the half mile. Then the next day, rest. Oh, I can rest the next day. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) And then the next day, run three quarters of a mile. I can run three quarters of a mile. Next day, rest. I can, you know, the next day, run a mile. Okay. (laughs) And I just followed the schedule and I was shocked every time it was like more than I'd ever done before. I was like, I don't know. I've never run that far before. And I did it. Well, I guess I could do it. Yeah. It was a training that enabled me to do what I couldn't have done on my own. I did what I could do, run the half mile. I did what I could do each day in the training schedule. And sure Mm. enough, on that Thanksgiving day, I completed a 10K. Yeah, all right. That's so cool. Well, you just touched on something that we we talk about on the show so often, which is you have to have not only a vision for your desired future that you're trying to get to, but also a system. You need a strategy, a plan to get there. You can't get there. You know, uh, Rob has come on the show lots of times, and he he loves to to speak to this habit and discipline subject matter. And, you know, and he always reinforces to us, like, having a goal gets you nowhere. It just sets your direction. But you have to have a system. And and that's really the the whole point of the show is let's help people get disciplines built into their life that will get them where they want to go, which is close relationship with Jesus. But what a transferable, uh, what a transferable set of, of skills and a way of looking at um, progress in any area. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm starting trying to get into running now again as well, and I'm I'm. It's I'll give up, you a schedule. It's an uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had the same experience. I download the the Nike running app. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna you not put a in a goal. The whole thing. We're not sponsored by them. Although, hey, hit us up. <laughs> and um, you know, and and the same thing. It's like, well, I can do that. And you, that's a such, something so great, too. I read a book recently on the science of self-discipline and how sometimes we traumatize ourselves early on by trying to go too hard too mm-hmm. soon in mm-hmm. any area, anything that's we're right. trying, any hill that's we're right. trying to conquer. We go too hard too early. We don't start small. And so consistency is destroyed because mm-hmm. we went for intensity too soon. That's right. So there's such a, such well, a valuable and that's, lesson there. that's not Jesus's way either, because mm-hmm. if we're yoked with Jesus, we'll be treating ourselves with his gentleness and patience mm-hmm. and kindness along the way of our training. And yeah. part of the training is the falling. Now, you see this with Ben, I'm sure, Jason. Part of what his learning is, is the failing oh, and yeah. the falling all the time. He falls all the time. Yeah. So this My is gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, he's it's, learning. and it's part of our learning. And even Jesus said this to Peter, right? You know, after falling, you know, get back up. It's it, yeah. it, we learn from our failure and yeah. our falling, but mm-hmm. God's grace is enough for us in that. It's part of our training. But our own expectations are that if I fail, well, that's sabotage. I can't do it. I'm going to give up. And we judge ourselves and we persecute ourselves and we mm-hmm. shame ourselves. 
and then we stop trying. Yeah. And we think, I guess, I guess this doesn't really work. This life Jesus called us to isn't really for me. Yeah. I'm glad it works for you, but it isn't really for me. It's kind of what we do. Just throw the whole thing out. Either I'm not cut out for this or, you know, it doesn't work anyway and other people are just faking it or whatever. Uh, but it, we, it, it, oh, go ahead. Well, we do have to do our training off the spot of the pressure mm. moment. Yes, that's 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 an important Dallas principle as well. I, mm-hmm. I think we read that in the Spirit of the Disciplines. Yeah. He talks about mm-hmm. off the spot training mm-hmm. for on the spot performance. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you guys just speak to that real quickly, just so people are caught up? Yeah. Well, so uh, you, you you're a speaker is one of the examples we've been talking about, and so that's going to be an on the spot performance when you teach that Bible study or whatever. And so you want to train off the spot. So uh, preparation is one kind of training but, uh, in terms of like preparing your notes, but mm. uh, that's obvious and that's important. But like we said, we can overdo that and not do some other kinds of training. Like, for instance, how about Christy mentioned Jesus' work with Peter there before Peter denied him, and Jesus is teaching Peter, watch and pray. Mm. He says to him, look, your, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. And if we sort of paraphrase Jesus there, he's saying, Peter, your heart is great. You want to please me. You want to honor me. And I love that about you. You are a man of heart. That's good. But your flesh, you got some other stuff in your person here Hmm. that is not prepared to do what you want. Hmm. So watch and pray. Anticipate the trial to come that I've been talking to you about with the the cross. Hmm. And imagine yourself with me. Pray yourself to be with me, and then you will be able to persevere. And so mm-hmm. when we watch and pray, we anticipate the situation. So as you're a speaker, you, you envision that room that you're going to be in. What I like to do is envision Jesus there, and he is towering above me in glory, and he is the speaker. And what matters is not so much what I say, but that my attention is on Jesus, and I help other people put their attention on Jesus. Mm-hmm. See, I'm in that yoke. Jesus is the lead ox, older, stronger, mature, in Jesus' case, perfect, mm-hmm. and I'm getting into that yoke with him now. He's, he's the professional speaker. He's mm-hmm. the one to reach those people. And so it takes the pressure off of me. So that's an off-the-spot training that I'm doing in prayer, in meditation, in, in even just in visualizing the room and relaxing myself in God's presence, and then sort of praying that forward so that now when I go into that situation of pressure, like public speaking is like the number one fear that people have, yeah. I'm going to go into that situation, now I'm going to be more relaxed. Mm. And part of what we're illustrating here is actually a psychological principle. If, if you talk to a, a therapist like us for a panic disorder or phobia of speaking, this kind of thing, uh, any any fear or anxiety, part of what they're going to do is they're going to get you to talk about that situation. The very thing you don't want to do because it makes you anxious and scared, yeah. you need to go into that. And then by receiving empathy from someone, it begins to soothe you and calm you down and give you some confidence all the more when it's God that we're looking to and we're receiving the peace of Christ. And so it's by sort of the facing of the fear and, and the, even the flooding of anxiety that can come, but then learning to be comforted in that, now we can bring that different, more relaxed, trusting disposition into the pressured on-the-spot moment. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think you can apply that to any area of life, right? I mean, anything that you're trying to improve in or gain control of, or, you know, it's like a, like a football we look, we look at, like, Dallas uses the analogy of the sports. You see, like, 
like say a football player run like a game winning play and we just go, wow, because the on the spot performance mm-hmm. was so great. But we don't see the the conditioning and the nutrition and the weight training and the drill running and all the all the off the spot work that was done to get to that moment. Um, so this is a this is an important area of progression. And like you mentioned, you mentioned Peter, you know, like the disciples started at zero and Jesus slowly brought them along mm-hmm. to the point where they became world changers, of course, empowered by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was in a developmental process with them. Let's talk a little bit about some doables and help us with um, just some tips to make life better, make life easier. How do we start living this out? Well, so one thing is the practice of Sabbath, and it's a really a, a big deal. It's one of the Ten Commandments, uh, and it's there because it's a principle of wisdom, of, of mm-hmm. teaching for us. So uh, all the stuff that we write about in the Easy Oak book is coming out of our lives, and in particular, my life is a type A driven, hurried workaholic in, in my history and in my nature. Likes to run somehow? <laughs> I, you're so different from me. <laughs> Well, one of the reasons I like to run is because of the way I relax. Oh. <laughs> People that are are, are doers, uh, we 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 want we always want to be busy and, and productive, and mm. so it's hard to slow down. The easy way into that is even just take a walk. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. get get your body moving, and that can help us to pray and to meditate. And so th- those are like easy uh, downstream disciplines for me. Yeah. Uh, and so Sabbath is something I had to sort of build up to and learn. Because it's, but it's a huge thing for me in my workaholic, perfectionistic tendencies. And so, like even uh, this week, I was challenged with this because we're we're writing a new book on the stages of grace, and uh, we're really excited to have a, a book contract with Ravel for this, and hmm. and uh, enjoying uh, doing this partnering uh, together. Uh, and so I had a, uh, we had a whole week together to, to, to be writing on, on the book. And, you know, if you're a writer uh, or prepare messages, you know, when you get into the flow, it's like a precious thing. And so you, you want to keep that going. And really, whatever work you're doing, it's, it's very helpful to, to get, group your, the, the activities that you do so that you're doing the same kind of thing in one chunk of time and then another mm-hmm. chunk of time doing another type rather than like letting email constantly interrupt everything and then you're getting scattered and your energy is siphoning off all over the place. So we ended up deciding to say okay, our normal Sabbath is Sunday because we don't normally preach on Sunday. And so we worked on Sunday. Uh, but we're very faithful to take that Sabbath day on Sunday. So we changed it to Tuesday. Well, it was tempting to just, you know, I'm not, Tuesday's not normally my Sabbath day. It's tempting, well, I got a lot of work to do. And uh, it's like I said to Christy even beforehand, I need you to help me follow the, follow the teaching here. <laughs> and so, you know, together we, we held each other accountable and, and encouraged each other. We took a Sabbath day. And, you know, I, before going into yesterday, I would have told you I wasn't tired it was great, but I, I followed the discipline because I've been doing it for years. And so once I, I slotted in because of the previous training, my, it was like it was easy to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just relaxed into it. I slept eight hours. Even last night when my Sabbath was over, I slept nine hours mm-hmm. because I, I so chilled and decompressed. I wasn't on email. In fact, I didn't even email back to you when you <laughs> Yeah. Emailed. I just say Christy emailed me back from your account. Yeah, yeah because she's not a workaholic. I was, I was so protecting she protecting him. From she could go on there, but for me, it's a little like... If he would like, not email, it, kind of practice the Sabbath this, would not happen. This is such a timely <laughs> example. I love yeah. how I know, out. yeah. But you need to know, so he got nine hours of sleep last night, but the week before, he was getting five hours every night. Yeah. So that's not like 
traditionally for him, but so mm-hmm. all the more, but it shows you the difference that that training and Sabbath makes and how yeah. important that is for his soul care. Yeah. yeah. And it also is good for him relationally because that's how he got time with his granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And that's why we had that eight hours yeah, with her yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Is that was And then Sabbath the nine hours day. of sleep afterwards. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's all yeah. a part of the rhythm too, but it, it does take that accountability. It really helps to do our training with somebody else mm-hmm. who's doing it with us. And it helps to also be able to confess. You notice how he confessed, this is hard. I'm tempted. I want to write tomorrow. I'm mm. in the flow here. It's a big step of faith for me to abandon this to God, to let go of this, because yeah. I'm ready to write this next chapter, yeah. and I want to. And this is a big cost to me to take a Sabbath day tomorrow. And mm. I've got five pastors wanting to meet with me tomorrow, and how do I say no to them? And so he's talking to me about all this and confessing all this to me, mm. and that's good, because then I'm able to you know, I'm able to listen to him and empathize with the pressure and the temptation he's under to abandon the practice of Sabbath this week, but I know mm. his soul needs it and his body needs it and our relationship needs the connection mm. we're going to get and our granddaughter needs the connection with us because she's been asking for Papa and Gigi. <laughs> so that practice of Sabbath was something that took us a lot of years to learn though because mm. I remember that he was reading Eugene Peterson's book on the Sabbath to me when we had mm. three little kids all under the age of like six. <laughs> We're away at a mountain cabin for the weekend and I've been cooking and cleaning and I'm cleaning up the dishes and he's reading it out loud to me. And I was mm. so angry. I wanted to go take the book out of his hand and throw it because I was exhausted on this vacation. <laughs> yeah. working so I got your hard. Sabbath right here. <laughs> and he's like telling me we need to work this rhythm of Sabbath into our life. And I'm like, huh? Like yeah. how on earth Have do I do that? Have you seen what yeah, I'm doing? Right, right. <laughs> Um, it's me, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because right. it felt to me like it was a legalism. It right. felt to me it was like, you know, Jesus confronts this. He says, you know, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The mm-hmm. Sabbath was made for man. But yeah. I was feeling, listening to him, like, you know, this was something that was made that I had to conform yeah. to. It's just going to make life harder. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just, just going to compress yeah. things even more. Exactly. That's the, that's the human thing. Mm-hmm. But instead, right. he didn't give it up because he was like, there's a vision. God wants something good for us in this. Let's mm. find this. Let's figure this out. Yeah. And it took us years to really understand. And now it's like, oh, yes, this was made for me. Mm. My soul needs this. And not only does my soul needs this, but our marriage needs this and our family needs this. And my yeah. clients need me to practice this because then I am able to really overflow to them mm-hmm. and my ministry needs this and so so doing the hard yeah. thing mm-hmm. of learning Sabbath yeah. which we did a little bit at a time mm-hmm. made uh, many other things in life that are hard or stressful Way a lot easier, easier. Yeah. it seems like so much of what we've been talking about is this idea of long-term games long-term gains versus the short-term gain mm-hmm. so for this example of your sabbath yeah yes you may have had the short-term gain in getting a chapter written but you would may have avoided that long-term gain because it may have then become easier to say oh, i can skip sabbath again this week i can skip Sabbath, and lose that rhythm that you had built that you had seen so much fruit come from in having mm-hmm. the sabbath and it is so as we're talking about this idea of uh, of true of of Jesus's easy way to do hard things. So much of that, at least as I'm hearing it, is this idea of thinking of of the long term and how Jesus is not his plan for you is long term. It's not just these, you know. Hey, I, I'm going to make you better. T- you know, everything's going to be great tomorrow or today. It's thinking about the life, that long term life. Yes, and living. it's even eternal. Yeah, even it's eternal. Eternal life. Totally. 
because yeah. our souls are eternal. And yeah. so the benefits of this last into eternity, not just in this life or yeah. this, this year or this month. Or, That's great. Mm. So you talk a little bit about Sabbathing to help us rest in God's power and who he is. How do you guys see that playing out in your Sabbaths? Well, uh, sweet. And of course, on Tuesday, we didn't go to church, but uh, on Sundays, we go to church. And that's an important part of Sabbath is being in Christian community and studying scripture and worshiping together, being in relationship. Uh, as we we illustrate- usually have a soul talk after church. Yeah, too. comment about that, because that's, yeah. a, that's a great little doable here. Yeah, it is a doable. So we've trained ourselves, part of our Sabbath is when we go to church, we are each taking responsibility to worship the Lord. We're not looking to it to be done to us, making the church mm. do it mm-hmm. to us, not looking to be entertained, right. but how can I really worship the Lord in spirit and truth myself? And I'll pray as I'm sitting in the service, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, and really mm. listen and expect to hear from God something. And then afterwards, on the way home, we will, in the car, process what, you know, what what did you experience in church? What was your, was there anything you heard from the Lord or anything mm-hmm. that ministered to your spirit today? And we stay out of the temptation to critique the sermon mm-hmm. or to uh, react to the, the negatives of it, be critical. Um, yeah. Sometimes we will have an emotional reaction and we give ourselves the grace to process that, process that with each other. Um or struggle with a question, uh, but but we really try to stay focused on how can we really be present to Jesus, both in the service and after, and mm-hmm. in our soul talk conversation. And then it's encouraging too to hear, you know, Bill often will hear something that I totally missed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't even know he read that scripture. Or, oh, I didn't hear that point. And, you know, and so that's fun too. Is because mm-hmm. I kind of get a second blessing hearing him process as mm-hmm. well. And then we will we'll make a salad and eat it together and enjoy that, just enjoying the goodness of God's bounty and to us in that. We'll usually take a walk, take a nap. We'll usually, um, oftentimes we'll watch the gospel of Luke or Mark or John um, in the visual Bible, mm-hmm. word for word on the oh, TV, cool. and just really love seeing Jesus, you know, acting out, hmm. saying the words in character and the disciples and relating to them. And often we'll we watch other movies, that. we get together with family. So it's, it's relational, it's restful. The, the key to Sabbath is, is, is do no work because God is at work. And so when, when we stop our work and we stop our productivity, there's a lot of things that become work because we're trying to be so productive all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we stop that, it's a way of worshiping God and saying, you are in charge of the universe and you are in charge of, of my, my job, my responsibilities, my work. And so I'm getting in that yoke again with Jesus and he's the leader and I'm the follower. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to work that out personally. You know, what is work for you? What qualifies as work? What takes you out? What tempts you? You know, I can go on email and just write my mom and my sisters an email and not get into all the work stuff. But there's times when I can't. There's some Sabbath was like, no, I'm not even going to go on email because I, I think there might be too much temptation <laughs> yeah. for me. So you have to kind of gauge that too. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about being unhurried, being... um prayerful, have a, having that listening posture. Um, is there anything else you want to say on that as we start to close? Just how, how, how to foster a really healthy Sabbath time? Well, another doable that we talk about in the Easy Oak book is it's like an application of Sabbath rest into everyday life. And mm-hmm. we call this statio, S-T-A-T-I-O. And we have a whole subchapter on this uh, discipline. It comes from the Benedictine monks who practice statio. And basically it means margin. 
It means arriving early so that you can be relaxed and prayerful and loving, uh, loving of your neighbor that you're meeting with or you're in an activity with. And mm. it just makes the experience so much more valuable to show up in a way that you're spiritually and emotionally present. And if we follow sort of the normal uh, um, American way and the, the tendency that, that most of us have today is we're, we're so busy trying to do so many things, being productive, pleasing people, stressed out, as we've been talking about, that we're, we're, we're like always running late. And that makes life uh, harder. And we're, we're not in our, our best self. We're not in our best relational engagement with the Lord and the people around us. So learning to be in a rhythm where we would arrive early or at least on time, or even if we're late, to be in the easy yoke of Jesus and to be relaxed and to be emotionally and spiritually present. That is really mm-hmm. a big deal, and it's a way of, of beginning to reach the seemingly impossible goal of you know, Brother Lawrence's model of practicing God's presence and being praying without ceasing, as Paul says. Well, you've got to break down your life into chunks, and statio is, is to break it down into chunks, event by event, meeting by meeting, mm-hmm. and, and to seek to have a space there, a, tr- a transition moment where you're, you're uh, orienting yourself to, to be, be present to the Lord and the people. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you share an example of how, you, how you've done that recently, like how you approach a, an appointment or, or what that might look like, just practically for the listener? Well, I mean, even today for this podcast, you know, we, we got here early, we, mm-hmm. we had a relaxing uh, time in the car uh, driving up here, We're, um, you know, we prepared for this, but mm-hmm. I don't think we over-prepared, you know, we, we put together an outline with, with some questions for the four of us to talk about, uh, you know, but we, we know the material, uh, we, we prayed about this uh, uh, conversation this time, as Christy has said, we set in our hearts that, that what we really want you, the listener, to experience is a sense that you're connecting with Jesus, and uh, he, he is our Lord, He is our teacher, and it's His easy yoke that we want to get into. Mm-hmm. And so Stasio just helped us to, to flow into that. Yeah. Well, and then you got stopped by the traffic of the middle school. We couldn't get out of our yeah. neighborhood <laughs> yeah. because there was unusual traffic, long lines mm. of traffic, and you got stopped, and you just handled that with Jesus. You're yoked to Jesus, took deep <laughs> breaths, you know, stayed relationally connected to the Lord and to me, and then you got stopped at a stoplight where <laughs> we the light turned green, but we couldn't get to it because it was a left turn and the mm-hmm. straight uh, traffic yeah. had kept us from getting the left turn lane. And you, once again, you, you sometimes you'll pray, thank you, Lord, I need to be stopped. I need to mm. be stopped in your presence. It's not just all about me and my schedule. And you'll, you'll use that as a reminder that God's in charge and you're with him and you're working with him. And, mm. you know, you'll lean into those stops. I got yeah. so relaxed, I didn't see the, the light turn green. <laughs> yeah. So what would it have been like 15 years ago 15 driving with me? 15 years ago. Uh, Window down. Oh, man. Get out of here, egg timer. <laughs> what? We should have left earlier. We're, we're going to be late. I didn't, I didn't count on this traffic. And, and it would have been maybe trying to inch up and making me all nervous and trying to squeeze into that left-hand lane or, or honking to try to get the traffic to move up so you Just can fit in that forward. forward. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to miss the light. <laughs> Right. And it's you a harder zoom way. Through it it's, as a it's a harder way of living. It's certainly a harder way. Way harder on me. Yeah, as a passenger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a much safer driver now that he's learned Stasio <laughs> and Sabbath. <laughs> well, that's a that that I think that's a per that's a perfect wrap up moment because you you just I think summed it up. That that brings us home to this easier way versus harder way mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. 
Like it's harder to be wound up tight, shouting at every other driver Mm -hmm. on the road because you're a little bit behind or or whatever. That's a harder way to live. Your blood pressure up is up. You're angry. It can wreck your whole day. It changes your demeanor. It makes you mean Mm -hmm. to your wife and kids. It can do all these nasty Mm -hmm. things. That's hard. Yes. That's that's in no way easier. The easier way is to just say, all right. I'll, I'll calm down. Or like Pastor Rick just said this this past weekend, we always study the steps of Jesus. We need to study the stops of Jesus too. Yeah. It's important to just stop, relax. Those are opportunities. He was talking about it in the context of those are opportunities to be kind to others. But those are also opportunities to pray, opportunities maybe just to take a breath, just mm-hmm. to take one deep breath. That's an opportunity. And this uh, 30-something father of two young kids needs to needs needed to hear that message today. Guys, uh, anything else you want to close up with as we wrap? Uh, it's fun fun to be with you and the listeners. And you know, we we call this a soul talk. That's what our podcast is called, Soul yeah. Talks. And uh, we just love to talk about the deeper things in life. You know, it, it, I think that we all long for this. We all long to share about how is it really going in our life. You know, what are we longing for? What are we stressed about? How are we hurting? And to, and to have someone safe to be with and to listen to each other, to pray for each other, to talk about the, the possibilities of life with God. You know, I th- we all, certainly all of you on Doable uh, Discipleship here, you, you, you want to live for Jesus. You want to live a better life. And so yeah. having heart-to-heart conversations about how it really works is so good. And so, you know, I just uh, congratulate uh, all of you listening uh, to Doug and Jason, that just every week tuning in and and learning more about uh, discipleship to Jesus. That's everything. Yeah, our whole life is about being Jesus' apprentice. Everything mm-hmm. from parenting to how we do our jobs to how we drive our cars. <laughs> yeah, it, our school is our. I mean, our, excuse me, our life, our daily life is Jesus' school of yeah. discipleship. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the easy yoke way. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Guys, we're going to link to, we'll link to your book in the show notes, link to your, your website and the podcast in the show notes as well. Thank Listeners, you. go check them out. Take advantage of those resources. You're a fool to just listen to all this and then not dig deep a little further and see all the things that, that Bill and Christy have to offer. Thanks for joining us today. This yeah, has been a lot thanks, of fun. Guys. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit Saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes. And go to Saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at Saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts. Send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Thank you.